You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Welcome back after a really, 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 really long weekend. Grump, I don't even know where I am anymore. I know, me Um, either, man. I'm tired. (laughs) I I just, I got, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night, not normally Monday night, because we are so overloaded with sports and all of our teams actually being good for once in our lives. Um, Grumpy, you are, you were watching game seven for the devils last night on Monday. I was in Indianapolis for work at the same time watching, you know, my bolts get eliminated that the Knicks lay an egg on Sunday, the Rays blowing a five run lead in the ninth on Sunday. And then today uh, me and, and, and friend of the show snacks, we went to uh, game two at the garden. So, my voice is a little shot from that, but, you know, hey, the alternative is our teams all suck, and we are wide awake and clear voices, so we will take this. Yeah, it was a, it was quite a uh, long weekend for me. I was in and out of Manhattan for the, oh. for the NFL draft. Uh, yeah, which and is, oh, yeah, by the way, the draft was going on, too, yeah. after everything else that's happening. <laughs> so that's, like, the culmination of, like, five months of work like coming to uh, a three-day cram session um, yeah so that's just like a ton of stress on the brain uh in addition to just you know just being on camera for like 17 hours total in a very short amount of time the back and forth yeah. travel it's like a lot to sunday was like a straight up recovery day for me where i just kind of played on my phone and slept it was like the first time since high school i slept past noon um, First of all, you know, kudos to you and Bobby and Justin for, uh, you know, great coverage, you know, all weekend. You know, I, I don't, you know, I'm sure a lot of people who, you know, watch this show and, and watch their show did the uh, turn the volume down on TV and turn you listen, watching you guys getting it synced, you know, the the um, the video to the audio of you. And that's that's what I did, because I, I, I hate ESPN with a violent passion anybody who follows me on twitter knows how much i hate that channel and you know their self-serving you know promotion all about them and just you know having the eagles nuts stuffed so far down their throat is disgusting enough as it is now you throw in this georgia component with them i really want to fucking puke so turning them into mutant but listening to you guys actually giving you know giant centric coverage and i think you know just interesting overall based on all the hard work you guys did was really uh i will speak for for giant nation thanking the three of you guys Uh, it's good to hear and thank you also like um it kind of is awkward like uh, i don't really like when people ask me like how it was i like tell them that it was fun and then like some people will be like well how'd you do and i like honestly don't know how to answer that question um mainly because I don't really, I mean, we didn't have the chat up on the screen, like Justin and Bobby had it, and I I was looking at it occasionally, but it's not like it was like an in-your-face live stream initial feedback of like how you're doing. 
Uh, so I don't really know how to answer that. So well, it's, I, it's cool to hear that. I can answer that for you. Um, our subscriptions to this on the YouTube feed have been up 10% since Thursday. <laughs> so that tells me that you are contributing to a very popular show and people want to hear more of you. And also you weren't like screech marks on a chalkboard where people were like, not only the hell with this guy, I got to, I got to, you know, unsubscribe from his real show. So, you know, we, we are always forever in debt to uh, Bobby and Justin for the way they promote a show. That's a, you know, it's, it, if it, for the amount of people that listen and subscribe to them, we are not even a rounding error in, in their thing. But they always have been – they've always supported us and they've always – they've promoted you especially for where you should get the the audience and the platform that they give you. And uh, we'll always be grateful for those guys for all their, their support. And they're, and they're good guys too. Yeah, so and, and like on them. top of everything, like it's, it is just fun. Like even if that weren't on camera and that was just like, hey, we're going to sure. just sit and watch the draft. Like do you want to come – like that – would be awesome and fun. It would have been actually no different to me, trying to be honest. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, like, other than the, like, canned, like, on social experience of that, like, it would be the exact same thing, just a couple of guys sitting around, like, there would have been more well, food being eaten, I can say that. Well, it, you know what it felt like? It felt like when, you know, in, in 1993, when I was in college in my you know, apartment, much, yeah. when the draft was on, it was like, you know, six of us, you know, getting drunk and you know getting some five-star pizza and you know free plug for Gainesville's best that's and I'm watching the draft so bad it is I am such going bad to, pizza I am going to beat the shit out of you right now you know I it is I mean like it, it's like one of the like I like Pizza Hut but I know it's awful like I just I like it in a different way it's something else entirely anybody S- who same thing with five stars but listen like after we eat that I don't feel like a normal human the next day like I do when I eat like regular I pizza. Feel, I feel superhuman. I feel <laughs> yeah. I feel so, clogged up with like garlic bread and like uh Any of you crossover, you know, Gators and Giant fans who watch this show, send all your heat your hate mail to um football underscore grump, please. If that's I, I, him talking. I, this heretic nonsense. I, I um, enjoy but, it for what it is fantastic um so you know i want to ask you a couple of questions about your about the draft overall for you know your perspective you know because you've been in the weeds for months you were really in the weeds during the show um overall like what's your high level you know takeaway from, from from this draft i mean you know there's so much noise on twitter and, and social media and just from giant fans who you know they judge the draft based on what they thought the Giants should pick and what their personal mock drafts are, that it's not really a reflection of how the Giants did. It's more of, I don't like it because it's not, I didn't agree with it. How do you, because you're not somebody who does really mock drafts. Mm-mm. Overall, based on what the objective of the draft is, how do you think we did? Well, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of questions in there, so I'll kind of like, uh, hit a whole bunch uh, and just kind of ramble. So The floor is yours. Uh, if I miss something, hit me at the end with it, though. Um, so I uh, I don't – you're right. I don't do a lot of mock drafts. I would like to do more. I think that's more of uh, an overly ambitious quality of myself uh, and then at the end of time just kind of running into a deadline that I've put for myself and – 
just running out of time. I do have fun with them. I think I think that's the most fun part of it. It's like the the team centric way to do it because like I've always felt like you kind of go in there with like sort of a shopping list and like you kind of let the players fall and you have to like make pivot decisions. And I think that's like a really fun part of uh, looking at the draft. Like, oh, if it falls this way, how do you pivot? How do you react? How do you reestablish your priorities? How do you change your needs around and your best players available? How does that change your big board up? It's a huge part of like doing mock drafts and shit that like is valuable and fun exercise and I don't get to do it enough. Um, but I don't – what I don't do and I don't want to do is read a lot of other people's material before the draft. I'm not really interested in what other people have to say before I look at people because I don't want it to taint my perspective. And I've tried – the method of like reading a prospect but i've already done work on him so it's okay now if you do that like i can't do it before like the week of the draft because i will then go back eventually and like like you know i'm okay so i'm looking at a corner from penn state right let's say i'm looking at joey porter jr and i've done my work on joey porter jr and I wrote my analysis, and I feel confident in it. And then I read, read like, McShay's write-up or whatever, right? And he sees something I didn't see at all, and it's, like, really negative. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. And you think to yourself, like, oh, who cares because you won't watch him again. Well, you end up watching them again because I had to watch this Maryland wide receiver, and he's got tape against Joey Porter Jr. So then you do it anyway, and you just talk yourself into shit. So I don't like to read stuff before the draft. I do like to read stuff after because I think analysis of the way the draft fell is always kind of interesting and what teams did or didn't do and what might be a winning strategy or whatever. I haven't done any of that shit yet. I am tired. Uh, and if it weren't for the Devils game, I probably would have uh, Monday night. I, w- I mean, we probably would have done the show for starters, and I would have then Tuesday would have started doing all that stuff. But alas, hockey. Um, overall, the only thing I have really a thought about, and this I haven't really taken a 10-mile look at it yet, I think that this was maybe a really overall weak draft class. I think that there was a smattering at the very very top of like elite athletes i think there were a lot of very strong prospects that were you know i had i had something like 22 first round prospects which means i didn't have a whole first round Mm -hmm. when i did my draft analysis so you had a smattering of top end talent then you had a cluster of like day two talent and then you started seeing teams drafting punters kickers Backup quarterbacks that are not very good. Stetson uh, Bennett. Stetson. I mean, dude. I I know that you like whatever, and you're justified in that, and you're correct. But the Clifford one is bad mm. from Penn State. I mean, that is a legitimate. I there were people that didn't have. I it, you get the point. Lot of mm. lot of really bizarre reaches, and not late either. We're talking fourth round, fifth round. That just tells me that I think the back end of the draft GMs the feud as shitty uh i mean unless a lot of us had the wrong read on like clifford maybe i'm totally wrong and he's going to be a legit backup in this league or something but i i don't think so how did the giants do i feel confident that they came away with everything that they needed to i mean i i think that giants fans would have lost their minds if they didn't get a wide receiver i think they would have uh, probably shit themselves if they didn't have a corner. 
but there was really no way a single giant fan would have been comfortable not having a center coming out of this draft like a bona fide like oh i get it and like even as i'm saying this like the consequences of him getting hurt in like camp or something like that are brutal because like that's how important it was and they had backed themselves into this and they got that so it's hard at any point to come away from this draft and think that they didn't do well enough when they came away with top end talent at corner center and wide receiver so I thought they did pretty well. I came away pretty happy. I was at no point disappointed. I was at no point confused, which I was like last year, where we had like players I had no work done on, and we were picking them fairly high up. Uh, you know, like people like Wandell Robinson that I viewed as like, you know, sure they have a very specific role, but like a lot of really serious concerns. I don't have. I mean, the biggest thing. I mean, we'll get into it, but like. It's not a major concern. I don't have major concerns with anything here. How do you think we did? I mean, I've well, been I've been talking about the fucking draft nonstop for like <laughs> forever. I I guess my view of the draft is evolving over time, and it's a different perspective I think than you do. Because first of all, I, I I'm the first to admit I am not a tape warrior like you are, and I am not as knowledgeable in the nuances of the, each position and, and and traits that you are. So I look at it a little different. I, you know, I am more and more, I am more and more trusting of the 32 general managers in this league than worrying about what people complain about. I think that, you know, we always have to remember that they are spending 70, 80 hours a week on this. You know, Grump, Grump is is all the great work that you do and all the time that you put in. It's not even close to 70 you are hours somebody, a week. You are somebody that, you know, has never been a coach in this league, never had a job in this league. Nope. <laughs> never. I think you played in like what, eighth grade. Or yep. Did you play high school? Just about eighth no, grade. Did not go to high school. Right. Um, you have not called one other team in this league. You have not spoken to one agent. I don't think you've talked That's to not one. True. Like, I have I have spoken to one agent in Mobile. Some guy was talking to me. Okay. So that was four <laughs> months ago. Yep. So my and I and I'm saying all this that you haven't done these things and you probably are in the one half of one percentile of everybody that I know, whether in real life or I'm connected with Twitter or people I follow on Twitter. So my point of that being is that, you know, it's hard for me to judge and be affected by people who are outraged at 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday for a pick. You know, we make decisions based on you know, we being the, the the Giants and every other team in the league base their decisions on so much data and information that we will never be, you know, privy to. You know, why did they trade up? Because on you on your mock board think, oh, I have him here and he's here. They didn't get value. No idea about what's going on with either rumors or plugged in or moles or anybody of another team's 
wanting to move up to get a guy or anything involved. So I get more and more each year, I put more faith into our general manager and our, and our coaching staff and our scouts of what they're doing. So I don't know why this ramble is actually going, but to me, we all know we've, we've said this for five months, what the biggest needs on this team were, and they were addressed high and they were addressed based on what they thought their value was. So to me, that's wins. And the goal of the draft is not to get the highest grade, not to win in a trade, not to compare ourselves with Philly, not to worry about what the Jets did. The goal of the draft, it is one of several pieces each year in a multi-year plan to become a Super Bowl contender. Are the Giants closer to the Super Bowl on Tuesday night, May 2nd, than they were Thursday afternoon, April 29th? Yes. Nothing they did makes us worse. So when people are like, that was a disappointing draft, a shitty draft, put it in perspective that we do not have a closing window after this year that these draft picks are going to make or break us winning the Super Bowl. We are most likely not winning the Super Bowl this year. We are getting closer. You know, we will we be closer to Philly and Dallas? We will find out in January after, you know, we finish, you know, we go through mini camp, we pick up unrestricted free agents, guys that are cut, we play a season. All I know is I feel like we are closer to being a legitimate playoff team and a Super Bowl contender than we were. Um, you know, and that makes me feel like this draft has been successful. Um, it's kind of like playing blackjack. You put yourself in the best positions to succeed, but the cards may not fall. These may be great draft picks, but they all may be busts. It doesn't mean it was a bad draft. It means we, it just didn't happen. And it's kind of like playing blackjack. You know, you hit on, on 16 when the book says hit. Doesn't mean you're always going to get blackjack or win, but you put yourself in the best position to succeed. And I think what I can say with this front office was, they put the Giants in the best position to succeed based on how the draft fell in their picks and utilizing their picks moving up and down. So I'm going to do this in like little clusters. Um, yes. So the first three picks, we'll talk about them. Uh, Deontay Banks from Maryland. They moved mm -hmm. up one pick to get him. They traded away a fifth and a seventh to do it. Um, I don't really care about the trade-up. I think they gave away two minor values to secure a guy they absolutely wanted perfect fit for wink's defense um i think in the moment in the chaos of like joey porter jr following and no one knew why and the eagles getting all sorts of free draft picks for no reason which is bullshit um in in all of that i was just kind of like because they 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 like traded and, and gave away nothing and so in that same night now, while they also got free draft picks like later on, uh, it, it just – it was a lot to process. And I was just like, oh, I don't understand why we did this. I don't really care, honestly, about the trade-up. Uh, I like Deontay Banks a lot. I like him for the defense. Um, I'm excited for him. I'm assuming yep. that he's going to fight for the starter spot opposite of Dory Jackson. If you want your guy, and based on your draft board, he is still available and he's, he's considered a value because he's lower than you thought he was, you get him. You know, 
this team will not be a Super Bowl winner or loser based on what they do with a seventh round pick in a draft. So that, that's why you accumulate extra assets and extra draft picks in other trades. So you have the flexibility to make moves on the margins that will make you better. So I am with you. I could care less if they traded a seventh, a fifth and a seventh. They got the guy that they wanted, they felt was perfect fit and a perfect value. So you get him. And like probably everyone's favorite pick of the night for all the reasons I went into before. Uh, John Michael Schmitz at 57. Uh, my highest rated center dude has missed like two games apparently one was an opt-out um so you get a guy who is just generally very healthy he's generally around uh and is dedicated to his craft he played a lot of different sports mid high school he transferred to a different private high school and gave up everything but football um he followed the coach from like whatever it was, like Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, uh, when he transferred over to Minnesota. And so he followed him to Minnesota. So, um, a lot. I mean, like, only good qualities. Uh, he, he has some things to get better on, obviously. but And also, I, I know the general consensus was like, oh, I can't believe they got him at 57. I'm like, I'm like pretty happy about it, but I don't think he fell too much further than I kind of expected. Like, I thought maybe he'd be like in the mid forties, you know, uh, I never really viewed him as like going in the first round, but either way, like I, I, how the hell could I ever be mad with them taking the highest rated center off the board and they didn't have to do it in the first round. That's great. It's, it's the best. It could yeah, be. of course. I mean, the core of this offensive line now is a guy who should be an all pro at left tackle. Who's going to be in his fifth year. Yeah, we didn't cover that. It's not really major news, yeah. I guess, because everyone knew it was coming. But, yeah, Andrew Andrew yeah. Thomas' fifth-year option was exercised this morning, and that means he is guaranteed for $14 million next year. So we got you know a guy who's still on a rookie deal who's playing at pretty much a pro bowl level, at all pro level, rather, at left tackle. We have a very highly regarded guy at right tackle who struggled his rookie year, but, you know, Let's put in perspective, most tackles struggle when they're rookies. Still a lot of upside, a lot of potential. I'm still excited about him. And now we have, you know, the highest rated center. So it's a, 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 a position group that for the last decade we've been moaning about has been substandard. And we've really made attempts to improve really on the margins without really serious investment for long-term sustained growth you know look at this offensive line this offensive line is a potential you know with not a lot of work left to do to become one of the real strengths of this team which will make your huge investment in quarterback you know again giving him the best chance to succeed yeah uh i i think i've covered uh there's archives of me raving about the center position and how important it is. You got yourself a also a dude who's super smart. I read a thing about how Bobby Johnson, when he interviewed him, had to like trip him up by asking him like tackle signal calls. It was the only way he'd get him to get a question wrong. 
um, <laughs> or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, you get a super intelligent guy who's going to learn the offense. He's going to learn everything he needs to know. That takes a lot off of Daniel Jones. I mean, like the mental side of the game. He knows his protections are set. He can trust his center to understand. And I'm, I'm not talking about year one when I say this. Year one will be happy if, you know, he – is picking up stunts and stuff like that. That's not a low bar. You want a rookie to be able to fit in. You don't need him to be right. like, you know, Captain Insano out there. But like long term, as the two of them get comfortable with each other, they get comfortable in this same offense. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones will just have to make one audible call to John Michael Schmitz, and then he can worry about his wide receivers and running back. And he knows that JMS is going to cover the rest of the offensive line. They all understand the new line call. And, you know, all those times you see the play clock running down to 3, 2, 1, you know, in theory that shouldn't happen as often. Um, It's a lot less burden on him as well. You know, just trust in general. It's something Daniel Jones should – if he does have in his offensive line, I'm not really sure why he does. Um now, this one was interesting. Jalen Hyatt at 73 in the third. The Giants traded up, I think, from 89. Uh, they gave away their third and fourth round pick. I think a fourth round pick from next year. Uh, yes. A third, a third round. No, I, no, no, no. It was for this year. Yeah, right? it was for this year. They, they, the, I mean, they gave up. They swapped picks with the Rams yeah. in the third round, and they gave up their fourth round pick for Jalen Hyatt at 73. Uh, it's a it's actually really close to where I graded Hyatt, which I thought I was going to get serious heat for because he was getting all kinds of media buzz at 25 to the Giants. All kinds of buzz. And I was like, I just don't understand how he could go that high. Um, but now when you're talking around here, this is where I had him. This is where I value that talent. It's it's a lot of speed. And I think that there are ways that the day the Dable offense, the Kafka mind, they are gonna get him in situations where he'll have free releases and he'll be able to just use his speed without getting knocked off course and stuff like that. And also like his impact on getting other guys open can't be understated as well. I mean, I'm gonna give you the eye test. As an SEC guy, anybody who has five touchdown catches against Alabama Good and point. I don't and I don't care if Alabama – it's the worst Alabama team in the last 10 years. That's still – them and Georgia are the gold standard for having five-star recruits, guys who play above their stars and are NFL-ready. And you do that against anybody in Division One. that's pretty impressive. Against Alabama, <laughs> there's something there. You know, that was – I know Tennessee's offense is a little gimmicky, but it's not, you know, coming from the planet, you know, Pluto. It's, it's also it's also like not that like Georgia Tech kind of offense no. or something that would, that you could see. It's like, oh, I understand why that guy has like 17 touchdowns Yeah, whatever. I, I saw him with my own two eyes and I went to Knoxville for the Florida game and, uh, you know, Gator defense is pretty porous, but there is talent back there in the secondary and uh, – he was fantastic in that game too. So, um, you know, this team needs speed, and speed is the best way to to help to have uh, playmakers and and big plays, big chunk plays. So, it'll take me a little get over. He's from Tennessee, but I'm, I assure you, Giant fans, I will. He's not a knoll. Um, so I'm going to take this uh, since the Giants traded away their fourth round pick. We'll do the next batch here, mm-hmm. um, all together. 
Uh, Giants took Eric Gray, running back from Oklahoma. Trey Hawkins in the sixth, cornerback from Old Dominion. Um, and then in the seventh round, they took Jordan Riley, a defensive tackle from Oregon at 243, and Javarius Owens, safety from Houston at 254. So we're kind of talking about the back end of the draft here. We're talking about other stuff. Um, now, you can make some general statements here. I think depending on the position that you're drafting, there are different real answers for what it is. But generally speaking, I, I think with Eric Gray in the fifth round, you have a guy who's going to probably contribute this year in some capacity. Do you agree with that? I would think so. I mean, it uh, it's going to set up some competition in training camp. You know, for the back. And also, the thing is, you know, we're all assuming that the situation with, with Barkley is going to be settled. But what if it isn't? What if this thing gets ugly and he doesn't sign his, uh, you know, he doesn't sign his thing? His and time, I don't, yeah. yeah, we don't know. I mean, we're assuming, we figure, you know, they'll work out something. But what if he doesn't? And, you know, you have to be prepared. Or, you know, what if Barkley gets hurt again or something? It's or just, that. yeah. Yeah. Um, this isn't, this to me is more than just insurance just in case. I mean, to me, it's more like it's potential that, you know, the backup running back in, on this team is going to have a kind of a significant role. And, you know, we have a lot of kind of backups, like real backups on this team, you know, for the last year or so. And this, he's a potential, he might be kind of leaned on a lot more than we expected. A younger guy with less miles on the tires I mean, granted we don't have a lot of guys with a ton of miles but still he, he will it will raise the competition for a position that's probably more important than people think it is right now i mean i think it's more i mean yes everything you said is true like it's i think it's true that he could be potential insurance it's another guy on the roster that's not just like a scrub mm-hmm. guy scraped off the street to potentially fill the role in the event that negotiations go south or or Barkley gets hurt. But I, I do think the Barkley getting hurt thing is a legitimate insurance plan here because there was a moment where we had no Barkley last year. I think that everything they're doing is they have this kind of small window. I do think they're trying to sign Barkley to like a two-year kind of deal. Uh, I think they kind of want to keep them lined up with Daniel Jones. And uh, in those two years, they plan to have Barkley healthy and not having to take 50 reps a game. You know what I mean? Like, well, well, So, I mean, at- I do think that they do want to split carries. I think they want to do like a little bit of what Dallas did with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. I don't think Eric Gray necessarily is going to become the lead back at any point, but I do think that there needs to be a better stable behind Barkley, not including Barkley, behind Barkley. There needs to be a better stable of guys to complement him and replace him when he gets hurt. Well, there's also the real possibility that say he signs his tender this year, this is the last year of Saquon Barkley, period. Sure, absolutely. I mean, mean, like I said, whether it's this or two-year deal, I mean, we're not talking about super long-term anyway. Yeah, and, you know, again, having somebody as part of that rotation who can, you know, be a... Even if he's not going to be the heir apparent if Barkley is not re-signed, you know, next year or they trade him or, or whatever... You want him to be part of that mix, you know, that will challenge for significant playing time next year and the year after. Remember, 
draft should not be looked at as what will you do for me in the year you draft. It's the next couple of years for that over the term of that rookie deal and potentially beyond. So this is definitely a pick to me that's like a, you know, a lot of things can be answered with it. You know, a lot of different scenarios you could, could be um, slotted in for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll see how he's used in camp. I, I think this means bye-bye to Gary Brightwell probably though. Um, I'm sure that, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw him out, but I mean, I think, I think his time here is numbered. He is a guy, a holdover from the old regime. He was kind of a questionable draft pick to begin with. I don't think he plays back. I mean, he's a running back that belongs in the NFL in some capacity, but I mean, there are lots of them and he's not this regime's guy. And he's certainly not the same talent that Eric Gray is. Uh, so, I mean, his, his odds are stacked against him. I'm sure they would like to keep a guy in the system who ran actual offensive plays like on the roster somehow but it'll be tough for him. A rising tide raises all boats. And when you bring in more and more talent, there's more and more competition. And the people that survive and win will be better than the people you had before. Gary Boatwell. Anyway, uh, six-round pick, <laughs> Trey Hawkins the third. I actually called this pick uh, at 209. Uh I I did very minimal work on him, but the idea is that he's a tall, long, fast corner with sticky man coverage instincts. Uh, he is a press man corner, uh, but he does like to come up and hit in the run game. He still tackles like a DB. He's not a form tackler. He likes to lay the wood and whatever, but I think that's just, you know, obviously we're talking about sixth round. This is not a guy who's competing for a starting spot. That being said, that, oh, okay. that being said... When uh, Wink Martindale got here last year, uh, I was surprised at how much like he was testing literally everybody. And this is his type. And if he is going to play like his type, I think he's going to play ahead of other guys on the roster. Like I'm, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I was going to ask you. My question for you is going to be obviously not the same skill level or skill set or same talent, but. Is he a similar type of cornerback to Deontay Banks? Similar type, they, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I they, mean, they play the same, you know, the, the same basic, uh, you know, yeah, press yeah. coverage. And it, yes, in, in the in that they are the same Martindale mold. Yeah, they are tall, okay. they are long, they are fast, um, and they play press man corner. They like to tackle. They like to hit. I, and and this is Deontay Banks too. Deontay Banks actually. Uh, I don't know how he did it, but he did tear a labrum in 2021. Uh, I'm going to assume that that had something to do with contact. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah. really know. Uh, I have to look into that. Um, but just in general, they, they both like to hit. It is very much the same mold. And, and by hit, I don't necessarily just mean like tackle, whatever. I mean when it's a run play to their side, they are anxious to get off the block and make the tackle. Not willing, want to. It is a so different not, thing, you know what I mean? Like not it's a not Deion a come Sanders, to me like thing. Giving you a shoulder, yeah. No, sir. This is a come and get it kind of thing. Right. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, I do think that he's going to get his reps, and if he earns them, I think Martindale will give them to him. This is still a DB room that they are buying numbers to bring in. A lot of on Uber Eats purchases holdover from last year that earned their place but not necessarily their future right like 
I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to throw the Nick McLeod out there. I think Rodarius Williams' name is probably a thing of the past around here, given the way things kind of went for him. But nevertheless, he was a guy who got reps early, and also he got an interception for a team that did not generate a lot of turnovers last year. Ro Williams did get one. Uh, so who knows? Uh, I do think that he'll earn his time, though. I mean, two of their first five draft picks were cornerbacks. So, you know, they're, they are serious about upgrading the position. And, you know, and not just upgrading the starters, up, upgrading the depth. So, two of their first five? Wouldn't it be? Uh, oh, Banks, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because we skipped a fourth-round pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I get you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, you know... We knew it was one of the three major positions of need, and it was, you know, it was addressed. And they wasn't. And again, like I said, you have to combine. You have to look at not just looking for three starters. You also need depth guys also in the lower part of the draft. So, you know, it's it's been addressed, and it will there'll be it'll be one of the things we're definitely going to be watching at training camp is seeing the the cornerback battles. Um, yeah, I I really am anxious to see how he how he pans out. I I don't have like. Any kind of affinity. I mean, I guess I'm rooting for him, right? I'm rooting for every Giants player to be great. But like, of course, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not like. I'm not like riding the like. Oh, that's my guy kind of thing. But like, I'm legitimately interested. I do think. I do sure. think that like he can earn as much as being like the first guy off the bench in certain situations. Uh, I, I think Wink is that guy that will give reps to people who earned it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, especially since this is a guy that is tailor made for his system. They brought him in for a visit, which is why I even knew about him. Otherwise, I would not have. Um, mm-hmm. So they they clearly have a significant interest in him to have done all that work pre hand and still take him and whatever. So yeah, I I do think he can shoot up the uh, depth chart, um, but he's got a lot to go. Pro- I mean, probably I don't even have that much stuff available to even watch. Uh, seventh round, the Giants took big man Jordan Riley from Oregon. He's like a 320-pound-plus defensive tackle. Um, I don't know that much about him. This is I, – I don't think you can shit on this pick in any capacity, even if you're like, we already have a million defensive tackles, which we kind of do. Um, I'll take a million and one then. Yeah, that's fine. But also, it's just like you're in the seventh round. This is kind of like, like, like Snacks Harrison – he was undrafted. The, like, mm-hmm. I, I think like a lot of the functional big guys, they're just going to be late round guys because that's the the demand. Like they they have an important role, and you need some on your team, but their role is limited in numbers of snaps. So it's just a low demand kind of thing. Um, and I think also, and this is probably what they said in the press conference. I think I remember hearing this. He has an NFL body already, so it's like, yeah, he's developmental, but you know he's got the body and size. A lot of these dudes are coming out. They're like, I can't tell you with the interior defensive line video I did. I was just like, this guy's got to add weight. He's got to add weight. He needs more weight. Wait, 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 wait. I don't. Yep. So I mean, this guys are like two seventy five, two eighty one. You're like, just hmm. even if that works for them as a player, you can't have a roster of just those guys. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so, back it, in the day when a guy was nicknamed the refrigerator for weighing, weighing 303 pounds, that might have worked, but not in this league anymore. You you need to have bulk, you need to have muscle, and you need to be developed. So, um, Javarius Owens, safety from Houston, um, at 254. 
Right now, I think this is more like if he gives you any DB value, that's kind of a bonus. This is strictly like a special teams athlete, right? I think when you're down there, you're just you're, you're just looking for raw materials, and I think this is a raw materials pick. I think generally speaking, the like three kind of positions that are almost like once you're picking in like the seventh round, the three positions that are probably going to be specials are uh db but specifically like safety just because they're like half of a linebacker they're like six one and like they're over 200 pounds almost definitely you know what i mean they're like 210 to 220 uh linebacker i mean you need people that are like six three six two and like 240 uh and then running backs right i I was gonna say running back i think is one of those yeah I mean, wide receiver too, but there's not a ton of wide receivers taken in the seventh round usually. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they need to get better everywhere. That includes special teams. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whatever. I'm cool with it. I got I to gotta watch film on all these guys. I'm going to do more than my, uh, my pre-draft stuff because I have a lot less to focus on now and and now they're ours we have more of a vested interest right. that we're not trying to we're not trying to come you're not looking at it to say slotting him what what round he'll be or yeah. you know is he a bit this guy he's on the roster now so he, he's a giant and yeah so i, I, I do want to hang, hang on i i do want to talk about uh they did bring in some undrafted free agents and like rookie camp invites and there's some interesting ones in there for starters bryce ford wheaton they, they spent a lot of money to get him as a undrafted free agent. I'm surprised he was undrafted. I had a fifth-round grade on him, I think. Um, uh, we, you and I, I, I think this is like kind of replacing the Colin Johnson thing. I think that's not going to happen, but you have now a big, tall, fast guy. I think also he can kind of... I don't know. I think maybe there's a way that he can run some Jalen Hyatt routes or something like that where if there's a play specific to him that gets a free release, I'm thinking probably he can do stuff like that as well. Not in place of Jalen Hyatt or whatever, but just like the same route. I think he could run it. Feels like a pick that was like Ramsey's Barden was, you know, a generation ago. Just like a big, tall guy and, you know, why wasn't this guy drafted? Why wasn't it? Oh, and, except except the Giants traded up into the third round to get Ramsey's yeah. pardon. Yeah, yeah. But like when we saw we, something, you look at this, the skill set and you're like, why isn't this guy going to be a star? It just never was. So, um, There's a, an edge rusher from Pitt that people want to uh, rave about. I don't know a lot about him, but like I saw some highlights. He looked pretty disruptive. Uh I, I think that there's a real shot for him to make the roster, probably based only on those highlight things and other people's uh, words on him. So I want to do some work on him. Don't know how to say his name, so I'll just go with the last name of Baldonado. But that first <laughs> name looks like I'm going to say a, like a curse word in some language, so I'm going to not try. Um, I do think another interesting one is Illinois quarterback Tommy DeVito. I think that one's legitimately interesting, not as a challenge to Daniel Jones or anything like that. But if you think about that Illinois offense, it's not all that unsimilar to what the Giants kind of were running. A lot of zone read kind of stuff. He's not like a wholly inaccurate thrower. And I mean that in like I have not done draft work on Tommy DeVito, so this is not coming from an analysis point of view. 
But in all the stuff I watched, I didn't at a glance, and I mean even just watching Illinois games casually from my couch this past fall, like mm. I never kind of got the sense like, oh my God, this guy is awful. Like that never happened. Mm. He was a right. functional quarterback. And you think about him I, – I don't know, right? I mean I think this is probably like a camp arm. I don't know if they're going to carry three quarterbacks. I don't think he's going to win that second quarterback job. That is interesting though because they'd save a lot of money getting rid of Tyrod Taylor. Um, I, I'm not trying to project anything. I do think it was a very, very, very curious quarterback selection for his skill set. I'm – curious to dive into his film work to see exactly what i think of him uh but i don't think that this is like a throwaway udfa or anything like that i think there was a lot of intent to get tommy devito specifically i wonder if they got intel that somebody else was interested in and just picked him up and you know could be like a trade asset or something or or something maybe i don't know i mean like i said this is an undrafted quarterback and fucking people like sean clifford were drafted so we're not talking about some you know emerald here uh but i don't i i don't think it's an accident that he is not horrible and ran a similar offense like i think it's very clear he's going to be like a practice squad guy to run other offenses whatever but i don't think it's completely unfathomable that he will play well enough in things like preseason and practice for them to actually give him a third QB roster spot. And maybe that doesn't happen in 2023, but it could certainly happen in 2024. And once you Mm -hmm. do that, like once you've earned that third quarterback roster spot, it's very possible to then get a second one, you know, be the immediate backup, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sure. This is not a, everybody is Brock Purdy statement at all. Uh, He could be nothing. It's just, this was a very smart quarterback selection, in my opinion. I mean, what are the repercussions? I mean, for some, well, I like mean, the repercussions like, are a small amount of money, comparatively yeah. speaking. But it, it, it doesn't even go against the cap, right? Isn't it like the top? Yeah, it won't be in the top fifty-one. Yeah. So yeah, it won't count against yep. the cap. There's something that attracted them to him. You know, they did some some sort of pre-draft analysis that said this is an interesting subject for something mm-hmm. and they're taking a flyer on it and see he might be one of those guys they think could be a coach someday for them or like a or that, you know yeah you know and they they, they, they like may not even his skill set or the chance he'll ever be on the field but they like his mind there's something they had an interview with him yeah, and that's such a coach name in the nfl too tommy devito quarterbacks coach turned offensive coordinator is it not it sounds like either that or he could be like the uh you know, the saxophone player for Billy Joel's band. Oh, I thought you were going to say the used car lot guy. <laughs> DeVito's Pontiac and uh, <laughs> on Jericho Turnpike. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, yeah, anyway, I thought those ones were interesting. They also took mm-hmm. a local kid who was like a quarterback, but like a running quarterback from Air Force, but he's from Franklin, New Jersey. So I don't know. I, I guess him for a service. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, they, I think he's as a rookie camp invite strictly as a running back, but I mean, rookie camp invites generally don't net anything. So this is the most, I'll, I'll wait, about I'll wait for yeah. the report on if anyone yeah. blew anyone away, but I will hold <laughs> my breath. Uh, that said the coming weeks, there is news that will come out over time in terms of like the schedule release and stuff like that. That happens in May. I forget Next when. Next Thursday. 
Yeah. It's next oh. Thursday. It's coming okay. out. Okay. Uh, so that means that uh, I will still be here and so will you. Barely, uh, though. Yes. I have an upcoming major trip to Dubai for a couple of weeks, so I will be but on that's Friday. So. That's, uh, that's Friday, yeah. So the um, – the draft comes out. the uh, the 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 schedule launches the, the Thursday the night before. It's so. like eight p.m. So yeah, I don't even know if we're going to be able to do something on that immediately, will we? I mean, we might we might go on there late that night and just do like a quick little that's up to instant you, reaction man. thing. I don't know when your flight is and stuff, but yeah, maybe that's coming. I don't know, but the schedule's a schedule. It's not going anywhere. So like eventually we'll talk about it anyway. Correct. Um, it, it's it's also like I don't think it deserves this like whole release. I don't care that much. Like, I mean, I want to know, but like, it doesn't need to happen with like an unveiling and a ball dropping and whatever else happens. Oh, I mean, well, that's. that's, that's I mean, it's just like one of those things. Where it's like just, just put it out, will you? Just like issue it on Monday. Just leak it. Yeah. yeah I don't care. Um, oh God, I always forget about the schedule leaks too. People get suckered every year. It's so not important. You'll find out in like a couple of hours. Well, anyway. you know, I mean. <laughs> I like to know as soon as possible so I can get that room booked before. Yeah, the price I know, is but booked. are you really gonna go off of an anonymous thing and book a hotel for? A, I mean, I'm just wait. <laughs> it, it, it's it's like yeah. well, people, people just want to know. Brag about the fact that they dupe people every single year. Every year, they yeah. brag about it afterwards. It's so yeah. silly to get suckered by it. Yeah. But whatever. People there is stuff. Know now. I mean, that's what that's what Twitter is. It's I need to know right now, and then I need to make fun of you about it. Um, that's the two things Twitter does. So there's stuff coming up uh, that we're going to get to, but we're going to kind of just go through each draft pick to cover a lot of dead time in the NFL. I'm going to do deeper dives on these guys that I've already done. I only did about three to four games for each one, uh, so I'm going to watch a lot more film on them, give a true analysis, and we'll talk about them and their role on this team going forward as the way we see it in the cons- uh uh, what am I trying to say? In the in the confines of the roster, or the mm-hmm. uh, the perspective the, of the roster, right? Just yeah, within the uh, uh, like the comp. Why we are really losing? Yeah, our yeah. Brains, within so. the lens of the of the roster. Yeah, that's the way we're going to look at it. Context within yeah. the context. Context of the, roster. of the roster. So whatever. That's what we're going to do for the coming days. Those the upcoming episodes, and then obviously as news comes out, there'll be stuff on the news. We'll do episodes on that. Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, generally that's what the program is going to be like for the next couple of weeks uh, because and we're kind of bouncing around to vacation. So it's something we can pre-record and put out on a schedule. So that's what we'll do. Exactly. Um, and then before you know it, we'll start doing our pencils and pens for the uh, the schedule prediction. And then before you know it, it's going to be July. And then all of a sudden we're getting ready for camp. And it, yep. it seems like a long way off, but, you know, it just – there it is. And I'm pretty okay. sure like rookie mini camp is like sometime like really soon. Like I, I don't know if it's the beginning of June or the end of May, but I think it's like I think it's really soon. Off. Yeah. It, it always seems to be like right after draft and it's just like get these guys in right away. For yeah, that's it. so uh, that initial orientation and, that might yeah. even be in like a week. Uh, I'm not really mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but when you know when that stuff comes out, we will do our best. I, I'll still be here for a lot of it. I'm only gone for a couple days in a couple of weeks. Yeah. whatever. In any well, case, That is what things are going to look like in the future. For now, we will see you next time. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.